it's not easy to win games in the playoffs. Um, but they win two or three uh, against our Memphis team, who was a really good team. They were up 20 in two of those games that we won. Um, you know, it just it showed you know that the focus that they had, how hard they played, and then you could see their camaraderie as a team. You know, you know that that just looked exciting to be a part of. That was Kyle Anderson. I'm your host, Marnie Gellner, and this is Wolves Plus. I'm on the hustle for the glory, on the grind for the crown. Not to hustle if you want to, if you do, you're going down. Oh! Great catch, great finish. Towns to go bare. Come on now. That's playing with flow. Towns for three! Carl it is Carl Anthony Towns for quarter. Certainly is. Edwards, spinning and finishing! Well, Kyle, your Wikipedia page, mm -hmm. take that for what you will, says that you started walking three days before your first birthday. That that was also the day you started playing basketball. Is that accurate? Uh, I I guess so. I mean, I can't. I don't have much recollection much recollection of being 362 days old, but uh. Of course, I but mean, somebody must. Somebody yeah, wrote that. No, the basketball has been in my life for as long as I can remember. I've always enjoyed playing the game, so I, it sounds about right that you know I've been playing since before I could walk. So, so okay, so as far as your memories go back, you you remember basketball. So Definitely. it was just a part of you. Definitely. My dad was a high school coach, so uh, you know me getting picked up from the babysitter or wherever I was at at one or two years old. I'm I'm in a high school gym from about 4 to 8 p.m. every day all the way to high school, really. So, I mean, you know, I just – basketball's always been a part of me, you know, as, for as long as I can remember. So you grew up with it? Yes. Do you remember liking it? Yeah, I've, I remember loving it. I mean, I've always enjoyed spending time with my dad and my older brothers and my uncles who would come over and, you know, they'd come over and watch basketball or, mm -hmm. you know, they, my dad's basketball players would, um, that he coached would come over and, uh, you know, hang out with them. I mean, it's just always in my life. I couldn't really escape it if I wanted to, but uh, yeah, I've always loved it. So it's probably also true, and you probably don't remember it, but that you had or went to your first basketball camp mm -hmm. at three years old. Yeah. Probably also accurate? That's that's a, that's very accurate. Um, you know, me and my father did a lot of camps. Uh, like I said, he was a high school coach, so he would be counselors at all these camps. And, uh, you know, they the, whoever was running the camp would let me come and, uh, you know, play with the five or six-year-olds. And, uh, you know, I would go from there. So three. I mean, you could maybe dribble mm -hmm. and, like, heave a shot on a six-foot hoop or something at mm -hmm. three right but you can't you didn't do much more than that no no I I just had like a knack for the game my ball handling was really good at that age so I feel like that's why I'm like kind of a unselfish player now um, I've always played with guys older than me to where I wasn't going to be able to you know go and score or you know get to the basket whenever I wanted to so I had to learn how to be crafty or play against guys who were faster or stronger than me um, play with the pass um, I, I feel like that's where I got that from okay so uh, I'm guessing by it, we know your, your height now. Mm -hmm. As a kid and growing up, you were tall. You were mm -hmm. tall for your age. You were taller than most of your friends, I would assume. But your dad, I had read, did not want you to be pigeonholed as a post player. He's tall, put him in the post. Mm -hmm. So was that where some of the concentration came on developing 
your guard skills, your mm -hmm. ball handling and that kind of stuff? Definitely. Um, my dad always wanted me to be a point guard. Um, like you said, I was always tall for my age, so he would make me play a grade or two grades up so that I would be the smallest guy on the floor and would have to handle the ball and play point. And then uh, just sprouting up to 6'9", it was just like I was able to keep my guard skills, keep my ball handling ability, and, uh, you know, I've, I've always been a point guard. Now that is impressive because there are a lot of, I don't care what your height is, but a lot of people who can't, that rhythm of like the dribble, it's just, they don't have the handle. Mm -hmm. And for you add the height on it, mm -hmm. then you're just talking about physically a higher distance. Mm -hmm. So do you think that the ball handling stuff, like you, do you have a, just that extra gift and blessing that gave you that? Or was it truly the work and without it, you don't know where your handle would be. Yeah, I think it was a little bit of both. Um, I think I was be able to, I was blessed enough to be able to keep those abilities. You know, coming from where I'm from, New Jersey, um, ten minutes from New York City, you got to be able to handle the ball. You know, no matter what you are um, in that area, you got to be able to handle the ball. So I think it was a little bit of both. Uh, I was blessed, and I but I still worked on my guard skills and ball handling abilities, and you know, just stay with me. Uh, when when you talk about that, I think I just have this vision of like outdoor courts and mm -hmm. the legendary Steph Marbury type of stuff. Did mm -hmm. you see that? Were you part of that? Oh, 100%. Really? I mean, you know, growing up in my neighborhood, there are, you know, three different parks that, you know, guys play at and, you know, you go against guys from different neighborhoods and you know everybody and things like that. And then, you know, playing organized basketball in New York City as a kid, there are a lot of, you know, street ball tournaments, uh, tournaments in the park, tournaments and in, in project housing authorities that you play in. So it's, it's just special. But like I say, you got to be able to handle the ball. <laughs> Uh, growing up in the area I did. Yeah, you probably got to be able to handle yourself. Definitely. Too, De because definitely. like a structured AAU, which is also something you did and come through that, mm -hmm. is totally different, I would imagine, the type of basketball you have to play to be New York City Park. Mm -hmm. Like, what what are the differences in the game? I've always felt like if, like, I know the, 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 the saying with New York, if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. I, I feel like that's, like, of course it's cliche, but like with basketball, that's the truth. I mean, even the even the uh, pro am tournaments in the summer now. I mean, you had three Nick players lose to a, a very good streetball team in New York City. It's like it's 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 tough over there. It's a different brand wow. of basketball. They don't believe in calling fouls. No blood, no foul. Like you got to be tough. You got to be able to handle yourself. Uh, you know, they're gonna talk smack to you. They got 30 people in the crowd ready to talk crazy to you. So uh, you got to be able to handle yourself. Got to be tough. So uh, like, I, if you could grow up playing in New York City, I feel you know playing anywhere else is easy. That's cold. Mm -hmm. That's tough. Yeah, That's tough. extremely. So your the city you grew up in is Jersey City. Uh huh. New Jersey. Yeah? Uh, I grew up in, in, in North Bergen in Fairview, which is about 15 minutes right down the road from Jersey okay. City. It's right there. Okay. Yeah. But that area is like 30 minutes from Metuchen, mm -hmm. New Jersey, which is Carl Anthony Towns' hometown. Mm -hmm. You two are similar in age. Did, mm -hmm. did you know each other or know of each other or cross paths? Yeah, definitely. I knew Carl since we were super young, since I remember me being 10 and him being, I think, 8 or me being 11, something like that, him being 8 years old, something like that. We went out to uh, uh, San Diego for Phenom Camp and uh, just watching him dominate his age group, I always knew he was going to be special. He was the best player in camp at the time. And then watching him come up, he come up two or three uh, grades behind me. And uh, you just always knew he was going to be special, always the best player on the floor, always very skilled. So, uh, I mean, you, you could see it with him at a very young age. It's interesting. You're both growing up in and around the New York City area, but mm -hmm. you see him at a camp in San Diego. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep, yep. Um, we're, we, but we did camps in central Jersey, too, around his area. We were in a 
magazine together, Metro Hoops, uh, made by Me Mike Melton um, at a very young age. Uh, so, yeah, I've, I've known him for a long time. Okay, so crossing paths or, like, having similar interests or friend groups or mm -hmm. worked with that guy, worked with that guy, mm -hmm. ran with that crowd type of stuff because of where you where you lived and where you grew up. Mm -hmm. So um, family-wise, are you the youngest of five Correct. kids yeah. in your family? Yes. So what is a household like with five kids? Uh, I was I was kind of like pretty much the golden child, you know, before <laughs> I even got to, knew I was gonna be an NBA player. I mean, my brothers and sisters just took care of me. They did everything for me. I, Kind of felt like my mother loved me the most, but uh, no, nah. uh, she, you know, they they got a lot done for me. Um, you know, I, I didn't have to do much. They they took care of everything for me. You know, they 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 were great older brothers and sisters. Is this because you're the youngest? You feel like the the golden child type stuff? Because usually the youngest doesn't never admit it. Yeah, you're the favorite, but you're just like, yeah, it's me. I mean, me. my mom would come home and yell at everyone else where <laughs> the house wasn't clean, but me, all I had to do was take the trash out. I had one chore, and that was it. So uh, I don't know. She, my, my, my mother was never that hard on me. She was hard on everybody else, though. <laughs> what is the age gap between the oldest sibling and you? Uh, yeah, my older, my oldest brother just turned 45, and uh, I just turned 29. So uh, what's that? 16 okay, so years. 16 years. Yeah. Okay. 16. So there, your oldest siblings are off doing things that you're like high school things mm -hmm. and totally different interests and friend group mm -hmm. as you're growing up but do you remember like was there a lot of was there fighting in the house mm -hmm. or was there just creativity and you're all, those are your best friends and the people you play with or what was that yeah no like? my, my older siblings always uh brought me along with them never made me feel left out they always took care of their younger brother um i could hang out with my older brothers whenever um of course there was a lot of fights going on but I was protected for some reason, like, you know, they were the youngest. Yeah, there it is. I mean, you know, they just they, they took care of me. They they never made me feel left out. Never, you know, they always made sure I was okay. I don't I don't know why, but they you know, they they were great older brothers and sisters. And growing up, obviously you played basketball. You mm -hmm. also played some football. Mm -hmm. Where, what position were you? I played quarterback. Yeah, quarterback. quarterback okay. Yeah. Were you that statuesque, the tall, could see over the entire line, that kind of quarterback? Yeah, yeah. I wasn't leaving the pocket. I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get the you ball out that. quick. I didn't want to get hit. I always, I'd play football. Like, look, I'm a basketball player. I'm just out here <laughs> taking up a different sport. But uh, I need to make it back to that basketball court. <laughs> How deep into your high school career did you stay with football? Yeah, I stopped playing after my freshman year of high school. Um, I just wanted to lock, really lock in on basketball and concentrate on basketball. But looking back, I wish I would have played my sophomore, junior, senior year. But, uh, you know, I, I, want, I want to focus on, on, on the court. Well, there is some football success in your family, right? Your grandpa, Clifton, mm -hmm. Clifton Anderson, mm -hmm. played for the New York Giants mm -hmm. and the Chicago Cardinals, yeah. like professional teams. Yeah, he was an NFL player. Um, I never got to meet him, but, uh, you know, I heard a lot of great things about him. What a tremendous athlete he was. Mm -hmm. um, he also ran, uh, coached track at University of Maryland Eastern Shore, and they named the track and field stadium after him a few years ago. So uh, he was a, he was a great athlete, and my brother Jamar, he's the second oldest. He played at the University of Connecticut from '98 to '02. So uh, he played defensive end for them. He was a real good football player for them. Okay, so, <laughs> so there was some lineage mm -hmm. of that. Do you remember like seeing? Um artifacts or like collection things that maybe one of your parents had of your grandpa's like to play for those teams the Giants yeah. and then the Chicago Cardinals which obviously don't exist anymore have mm -hmm. you seen an old 
helmet or photos of things that are like, wow, that is really cool. Yeah, I, I seen um, like a like an old card um, on him, and then a card on him as he played ran track and played football at the University of Indiana. So seeing you know those two mm -hmm. were pretty cool. And, uh, you know, it just always gave me that sense of, you know, if my grandfather could do it, sure. I can go do it. So it, it was pretty big time. Like a trading card? Yeah. Like yep. Do you got, does your family have one or you've just seen I, them? Uh, I just seen them as a kid. I, I, my, I'm sure my dad might have it, but uh, I haven't seen okay. it in a long so, time. That's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. That's pretty cool. <laughs> so your high school, the one where you played your junior and senior year, St. Mm -hmm. Anthony High School mm -hmm. in Jersey City, mm -hmm. New Jersey. Okay. State championships as a junior and senior, mm -hmm. and both seasons undefeated. Yeah. In that area mm -hmm. of New York, I mean, that's impressive. Yeah. That had to be somewhat of a big deal. Yeah, it was. It was kind of cool. We played a national schedule, so we played. It wasn't like we had a cupcake schedule. We had a lot of tough teams, but uh, you know, we were really, we were just a really good team. We had super hard summers, like you know, the 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 conditioning and training that we did in the summertime, and just put us way above every other high school team. Your coach was Bob Hurley, mm -hmm. as in father of Bobby mm -hmm. Hurley, mm -hmm. the Duke star. Bob Hurley, mm -hmm. the coach, is in the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. Yeah. When you were playing there and for him, was Bob Hurley a big deal and a big name, and you knew what you were, what yeah. kind of greatness you were in? Yeah, definitely. Um, you knew you knew the greatness he brought to the table, but uh, you you didn't know how hard he would push you and how hard he would coach you. I mean, you knew about it, but you don't really get the full experience until you're a part of it. Um, but I think that's what I benefited most from is he kind of taught me how to play hard on every possession, and that's what it takes at the next levels to be successful. So uh, it, it was it was it was pretty fun playing for Coach Hurley. Did you what age were you when Bobby Hurley and Duke? was going through that run? I don't even know if I was, I think I was probably one or two years old. I mean, I was born in 93 and I'm not, what, I think yeah, Bobby and them were like right, 94, yeah. 95. So. so all of that had happened and that was legend and lore by the time you were playing for Bob Hurley. Did yeah. Bobby stop by practices ever? I mean, yeah, I mean, I've, I've always grew up seeing Bobby around, but I had no clue who he was, you know? Oh, like, really? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, and everybody, you know, oh, Bobby Jr., Bobby, well, you know, I'm, I know Coach Hurley, I mean, but yeah, I was, that, that was a pretty cool, you would see, you would see Bobby and his kids around all the time, so yeah, yeah. they were awesome. <laughs> so then you played your college ball at UCLA, mm -hmm. which is not close to New York City. And mm -hmm. I know UCLA was one of your finalist schools, but did leaving that part of the country and leaving your family and going that far away just distance wise, was that a difficult decision because um, of that? It, it was tough, but I mean, it's, it was 80 degrees all year round, so it wasn't that hard. But uh, it, it kind of alludes to what I said before. It's just like, I'm the youngest of five. So, I mean, my, my older sister, Brittany, would do my laundry. She would do this. You know, my brothers would cook for me. You know, my, they just done everything for me growing up. So I kind of wanted to go 3,000 miles away and learn how to fend for myself. I always knew I was going to be in the NBA. So I'm like, let me take this year or two to kind of learn how to be on my own and learn how to fend mm -hmm. for myself and, you know, wash my own clothes, yeah. things like that. So it was it was just something where I had to go and get away and grow on my own and, and, and get prepared for the NBA. Yeah, that's interesting though that you would even want that because mm -hmm. a lot of people who have grown up like that would want to keep that kind of lifestyle right. going and not have to figure it out. For yeah, no, I, I was I was too, I was pretty catered to too much as a high school kid and, you know, being told all the wrong things. And, you know, I was like, let me just go out here by myself and so you, figure it out. <laughs> you did your own laundry then? At UCLA? Yeah, I learned. I learned. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, 
you had, I think you must have had a, you had a coaching change. You must have between your freshman year at UCLA and your sophomore mm-hmm, year, because mm-hmm. your freshman year, you mostly played forward, like right. a post position. And yeah. then your sophomore season, you were the point guard. Yeah. If we're the same school with a lot of the same teammates, but obviously a different coach, mm-hmm. but how different, what different were your experiences of just playing a college basketball season as a post player yeah. versus the point guard. Yeah, I hated it. Uh, that was one of you my worst it? years. I mean, you know, my freshman year, just playing in the post, setting screens after, you know, my coach at the time, you know, promised me I'll be a point guard, uh, promised me I'll have the ball in my hands. And, and, and you know, I was a five-star recruit coming out of high school. I could have went somewhere else if you weren't going to play me at the position you promised me. Uh, so it was a really hard year for me. It was, it was tough, but uh, my family thought I was going to want to transfer or, you know, try to do something else, go yeah. somewhere else. But I just wanted to put the work in that summer and show Coach Alfred, who was coming in to be our coach, mm-hmm. that I'm ready to handle the ball and be the point and make decisions. And I was, you know, I was thankful that he trusted me, and it, it, it kind of worked out. Yeah, it did. You were the team MVP mm-hmm. after your sophomore season. You led UCLA in rebounding and assists. You mm-hmm. were all Pac-12 mm-hmm. first team. Mm-hmm. And then you're ready for the NBA draft at yeah. that point. You, did you just need that one season? If it had been your freshman season, you were going to go, mm-hmm. but it happened to be your sophomore season. Were you yeah. just waiting on one? Uh, yeah, I thought it was going to be my freshman season. It should have been my freshman season if the coach would have put the ball in my hands, but that's a, that's another story. I, yeah, that's another, that's another story for another day. <laughs> okay, so it wasn't, wasn't meant to be. No. Nah. But you, you had the success as a sophomore, then you're ready to enter the 2014 yep. NBA draft. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, before we get into your getting into the NBA, along the way, as you're growing up and your different AAU coaches, your high school coach, whoever, your dad influences in your life, how many times did you hear, you're not quick enough? You've got to do that faster. <laughs> yeah, I heard it a whole lot, a whole lot. Um, and I still see those people to this day. And I remember all the times and, and who specifically told me that I wasn't going to be able to. But, I mean, I just had a relentless mindset. I just knew in the back of my head, like, these people don't, don't practice as much as I do. They don't put the work as much as I do. They don't care as much as I do. So, uh, you know, they don't have the right to tell me I'm too slow or I'm not going to make it. Um, I still see a lot of those people till t- t- this day. And uh, I never let it get to me. So you never let it get to you, but did you ever try to change it? Did you ever try to speed up even like your AAU years and stuff that never once? No, never, never. I mean, I, I just, I knew I, I've always put the work in on my game. So, I mean, if, if this is my style of play and I figured out a way to be crafty and, yep. and get around it, then, you know, I'm going to stick to what I know. Yeah, It's obviously effective. Yeah. Obviously working for you. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and just clear up the story. The slow-mo nickname. Mm-hmm. I've heard different people say it came at different points. The yeah. one I've read the most is eighth grade at an AAU basketball tournament. I will, I will say I got that nickname uh, 11 and under nationals, Cocoa Beach, Florida. Um, I, was playing a, I was playing a point guard position with my AAU team. And after that tournament in July, everyone start calling me slow-mo like it was a lot of the down south teams you know they had that accent slow-mo slow-mo so they were the ones that really start calling me slow-mo and then uh there's this big time tournament in new york city called is8 for middle school high school as well and uh them on the announcers start calling me slow-mo too so it just kind of those two instances kind of made it blow up and everybody you know recognized me as slow-mo after that and even right from the beginning you embraced that yeah, I mean, it, it never really offended me. I, you know, I, it's a nickname. It's 
you know, I would I would meet guys who were older than me whose game I admired, and they would say, oh, slow-mo, or, you know, even NBA players, slow-mo. So I, I just kind of rolled with it. Because <laughs> it's what sets you apart. Yeah, And yep. if you embrace it, yep. then it then it becomes a positive instead of something that some people could look at. You're trying to rip me, or yeah. you're trying to make fun of me, or, no. and it's not that. No, no, I, okay. I, I never took offense to it. <laughs> so um, when you enter the NBA draft mm-hmm. in 2014, and you're the 30th, pick Mm -hmm. of the San Antonio Spurs. The Spurs had just won the NBA championship. Mm -hmm. So not only are you a rookie coming into the NBA, you're coming into the team that just won it all. Mm -hmm. Was that an intimidating thought to you? You know, I I tried my best to not be intimidated, but looking back, I mean, how could I? I was walking into a locker room with Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili, and Tim Duncan every day. I mean, that was was just awesome. But uh, uh, it was tough to find minutes on that floor, on that on that team. Um, you know, no one spoke to me till like November when Kawhi got hurt, and all of a sudden everybody's talking to me. <laughs> like, no, seriously, no one would speak to me. But uh, no, it, it was an awesome experience. Those guys are all great guys. And Greg Popovich is a certain kind of coach mm-hmm. who a lot of times is drawn toward a certain type of player. Mm-hmm. And I've read that about your name when it was time for drafting like oh oh, that's a perfect pop player that did you feel like whatever your game is and his coaching style that just was a good fit um I thought so yeah because I I was I think of myself as a guy who plays with the pass and that's pretty much what that system thrives on is moving the ball and passing the ball and high IQ guys and you know that I feel like that's my game so uh I thought it would work out smooth and it did I learned a lot from coach pop Mm -hmm. um him just like coach Hurley taught me a lot and you know how to play the game and how to play hard every possession uh you know those two were very similar and when you became, uh, you mentioned the Kawhi injury, and then mm-hmm. your second season, you start to become a regular mm-hmm. player in the rotation. Do you feel like your game entering the NBA to the point in your second season where you're a regular rotation player for the Spurs, did your game have to grow by leaps and bounds, or did your game just have to fine tune a little? I think a little bit of both. I think I had to fine tune a little on offense, but I think I had to, uh, you know, get better on defense and. Like I said, learn how to play hard, learn how to get stops, learn how to move my feet, and uh, you know, just same, use the same craftiness I use on offense. Use that on the defensive end as well. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then you, after your four seasons in San Antonio, you go to Memphis, mm-hmm. play four seasons with the Grizzlies. Mm-hmm. But at the end of your first season, you had that the th- thoracic outlet mm-hmm. s- officially underwent thoracic outlet decompression syndrome surgery. Yeah. And you had to retrain yourself to shoot yeah. after that because it's just such an yeah. invasive surgery. So really retrain yourself to shoot? Yeah, it was really tough. Like, uh, I mean, I just wasn't getting any feeling in my hand. Uh, my, my fingers would be numb. They would be asleep all the time. Like, it was the weirdest thing ever. Um, the, and Dr. Greg Pearl in Dallas, who did the surgery, told me it's really common in baseball, yes. you know, but not basketball. So it was something I had to go through. It was terrible. I mean, just my first year in Memphis, I could barely get my arm over my head. Uh, I couldn't shoot a basketball from past 15 feet. So I just knew something had to be done. Yeah. And really, that's either it's an extra rib or it's an extra part yeah. of the rib that's like pushing on something. So they removed – They my first rib was kind of just uh, – pushing down on the nerves that flow to my hand. So they kind of had to take my first rib out and uh, allow the nerve to to get to my hand. Yeah, and you mentioned it is more common in baseball, and there have been a couple of Minnesota Twins players who have Mm -hmm. had this, and I'm not going to lie. I have seen the rib piece in a jar Uh 
Did you get? Yeah. Did they give it to you? Yeah, my they mother. My really? mother got it. It was. It was like when you order some Chinese food, the ribs in there. Like <laughs> I was like, if I get hungry, I might eat that later. But no, it was. It was pretty weird. It's like a souvenir. Yeah. It Congratulations. Was. Yeah. So then the process of coming back from that is a little bit different than you know rehabbing your ankle injury, knee injury, whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this involves your right arm and mm-hmm. your shooting motion and mm-hmm. the touch and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It was hard. I mean. I considered, I contemplated shooting the ball, my, starting to shoot the ball in my left hand, you know, as I just wouldn't have feeling in my right hand. I couldn't hold the basketball. Before couldn't, the surgery. Before yeah. the surgery. I couldn't bring my hand over my, my head. So it was it was really tough. And since then, any uh, issues? It's still tricky. Um, my hand is still, it's, it's not like it used to be, like, you know, like it was my whole life playing the game. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I work with what yeah. I got. But if you ever have a bad shooting night, you're just like thoracic outlets. Nah, no, I don't, I don't no? want anybody to feel bad for me. I got Come to on. say, I got to put the work in you and figure it out. Exactly. No, you, no. But you're not using it. You're not using <laughs> no, it. I get never. it. Okay. So last season then, which was your last season with the Grizzlies, mm-hmm. boom, six game, fantastic playoff series mm-hmm. against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Mm-hmm. If you have to just give me a quick synopsis of, man, this is what really stands out to me. Because you guys then played a, a second round. I get mm-hmm. that. But... That series, that six games with the Timberwolves, what top of mind like really stands out about that? Just how hard the guys played and how locked in they were to detail. Like it's it's not easy to win games in the playoffs. Um, what they win two or three uh, against two, our yeah. Memphis team, who was a really good team. They were up twenty in two of those games that we won. Um, you know, it just it showed you know that the focus that they had, how hard they played, and then you could see their camaraderie as a team. And, uh, you know, that, that just looked exciting to be a part of when it came down to make my decision. And you've seen it from that side. So your decision, meaning to come to Minnesota, but mm-hmm. you had seen from the, the opponent's side, mm-hmm. okay, this is how we scout Carl Anthony Towns. This is how we defend mm-hmm. Anthony Edwards. Mm-hmm. And now you come over here and you're on this inside. Mm-hmm. That's got to be just a fascinating uh, processing of information of mm-hmm. like, oh, oh, if I had known that, I would have defended <laughs> you this. Did like, did anything hit ago. you? Like, oh, <laughs> if I had known that. <laughs> well, I kind of, I, I knew a lot about them. Um, just watched a lot of film. Like, I'm a basketball junkie, so I knew once we had, once they beat the Clippers, uh, you know, I watched a lot of film on those guys. I, I pretty much watched them all year long, though. So I, I, I knew, I knew a lot more okay. than. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Still a great series. Yeah. So, so very competitive, great series, which has now become a great rivalry. Mm-hmm. Um, your your game, this this um, not just the physical part of playing the game, but you just talked about. You knew a lot about Carl mm-hmm. Anthony Towns and mm-hmm. his game and his mm-hmm. tendencies. Part of that is you're a basketball junkie. You watch a lot of games on your own. You mm-hmm. the coaches show you film, mm-hmm. all of those kinds of things. You have been described a lot of times as having a high basketball IQ. Mm-hmm. How much of that is because you you're learning and you're 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 finding all this information and how much is that is that a gift? It's a natural born ability to feel the game. Yeah, uh I think a lot of it is a gift. Um I don't know. I just I just really love the game. Like I just I could watch basketball literally all day every day. Um so it just makes, you know, watching watching my opponents makes it easier 
Um, like I said, I'm just really tapped in. I'll go home and watch League Pass all night. Mm. Uh, I'll make my family watch it with me. Like, I don't know. It's just I'm a big – I'm a basketball fanatic. So uh, if I can get an edge on my opponent by, you know, watching what they've done the last four or five games, then, you know, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, so you say basketball junkie. Mm -hmm. You no, truly for, are. Yeah, yeah you mean yeah. it. You're <laughs> like when you leave here, you take basketball with you. No, nah, like, yeah, it's, it's almost weird. Like, but it's just, you know, I love the game. It is what it is. The um, so you you mentioned your family, mm -hmm. your wife's mm -hmm. name is Crystal, mm -hmm. and you have a little boy, mm -hmm. two and a half. Yeah, Cameron. Yes. Okay, so life as a dad changes mm -hmm. when you when you have kids. What has been the biggest adjustment for you in your basketball life to now incorporating this tiny little human into the routine that you've known and grown into? Waking up early. That's like, I was never a morning person. I hated being up before 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock. But uh, now it's just like, you know, if I get to sleep until 6.30, it was, it's a great morning. Um, uh, I, was, I would say that's the main thing that, that's, that's pretty much changed. And it's tough to balance. My wife does a great job of like, you know, sometimes I'll get in at 3 in the morning and he'll wake up at 6.30. My wife does a good job of just like, you know, letting me get my rest in and mm -hmm. things like that. Do you see in Cameron, like, does he want to dribble the ball when he's at home? Do you have a little, the little Nerf hoop? Like, yeah. is he connected to basketball that y way? Yeah, I don't think he likes it as much as me. I did at that age, but uh, he likes coming to the games. He'll, I'll catch him. I'll catch him. You know, bringing the basketball around the house or you know playing on his little Nerf basketball here and there. Um, nowhere near as much as me, but he he shows flashes. But. He could do whatever he wants. <laughs> That's just what I was going to ask you. Do you want to steer him to basketball? Uh, of course, I would love it, but I mean, he has the he has the freedom to to be whatever he wants to be, mm -hmm. and I'll support him 100 percent. That's my little man. Something on your Instagram that I notice you promote a lot is this boutique store called City Kids. Yes. Kids spelled with a Z. Uh -huh. And this is your sister, Brittany. This Correct. is her store. Mm -hmm. But when I see some some of your posts, sometimes you promote it like I've been working on this or mm -hmm. I, I'm helping to design this. Mm -hmm. Are you designing some of these kids' fashion clothing that is in your sister's store? My sister does a lot of it. I mean, she'll ask for my opinion or I'll, I'll make a, you know, a, a tweak here and there, but it's, it's majority of it is her. Um, you know, she does a great job with it. Uh, you know, great ideas, puts in all the work with it. You know, I just support financially. <laughs> okay. But this is a kid's clothing store like unique and design pieces and things like that so yes. is fashion for you not just your sister but for you is fashion like something you take a lot of pride in something you have a great interest in um not really i wouldn't say really uh it, it is with her and i'm and we're super tight and it's something she's always wanted to do and i can tell she had a passion for it so you know here little brother comes in and and, and helps her out but, uh, I mean, just where we come from, uh, being so close to New York City, I felt like, you know, fashion, you always got to make sure you have on the right stuff or, or yeah. you know, you know, be on point with the fashion because, you know, somebody around our way will let you know about it if you're not. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Definitely. So that's where you kind of got your first sense of, of style Definitely. and influence. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, one other random question I have for you is that your middle name mm -hmm. is Foreman, mm -hmm. F-O-R-M-A-N. Where does that come from? Oh, uh, that's my mother's maiden name. That was uh, my grandfather's, uh, his name. Um, you know, my mother wanted to keep that name alive, so she, she made it a part okay. of my middle name. His name was George Foreman, you know, no relation to the boxer. But, uh, yeah, we just wanted to keep the name alive, keep it going. Okay. Do your <laughs> siblings have names like that that are represented 
in the family? No, no, only me. I thought I was the last one, so I think, you know, she wanted to keep it alive somehow. You truly are. <laughs> yeah. You really are. Okay, Kyle, we like to uh, wrap things up okay. with five kind of random personality type questions. Let's do it. Just to get to know, know you a little bit better. Okay. If we were at your house right now, what is in your refrigerator currently? Uh, I just start eating some fruit. Uh, we're gonna have some chocolate milk in there. We're gonna have some G2, uh, Martinelli apple juice. We're gonna have a lot of water. Um, and then uh, my chef lives with me, so you know she got everything she needs in there. The chocolate milk for you or your son? Uh, I haven't put him on the chocolate milk yet. Okay, uh, so he just that's likes you. regular milk. That's me. I'm a big chocolate milk. Every night before bed, I gotta have some chocolate milk. Really? Yeah, got to. <laughs> Is that part of a superstition or a health, uh, or just a craving? It's just, it's just health and cra I mean, no, not health. It's superstition and craving. I don't know. Uh, I just every night before bed, I used to do ice cream with my dad when I was a kid. So I can't okay. really eat ice cream every day anymore. So I make some chocolate milk. Okay, <laughs> interesting. Um, do you drink coffee? Uh, sometimes depends what time my son okay. wakes up. <laughs> if you drink coffee, how do you take it? Um, I like it with uh, two creams, one sugar, and I'm good. For, I'm good from there. Two creams, one sugar. Yeah. Flavored cream or just straight? Uh, and straight is fine. Yeah, okay. straight cream is fine. Okay. <laughs> um, normally I ask if you're a morning person mm -hmm. or a, a night owl, mm -hmm. and I guess it depends on when your son wakes yes, up. Yes, it's, it's changed. I used to be a big night owl, but now I'm a morning person. <laughs> Based on Cameron's uh, sleep schedule. Yes. Do you, besides the chocolate milk before you go to bed at night, do you have any other superstitions? Uh, superstitions? No, no. It's, it's really just some chocolate milk. Uh, wash, <laughs> I like to wash some TV before bed and, you know, take it down from there. What would you say is your least favorite food? Something you do not like to eat or at a restaurant you're always like, hold it, hold that or put Ma it on the side. Mashed potatoes. I don't know what? why. I, I love French fries. I love sweet potatoes. I love regular potatoes, but I just hate the look and texture of mashed potatoes. Like, don't even put it on my plate, please. Really? Yeah. It's... I know I'm weird, but just. No, well, I mean, it could, it's a, it could be the texture. Yeah, but... I just, I don't want anything to do really? with them. So at Thanksgiving, if. Mashed no. potatoes, they're not on your menu. No, skip that. Really? <laughs> yeah. What about skin on mashed potatoes? A little less mushy? Mm, I just know it's under there. I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> we ain't fooling you. Nah, you ain't we ain't me. fooling you. Well, uh, this has been interesting. Mm -hmm. You're an interesting guy, and we're really happy to have you here in Minnesota. So thank you, Kyle. No problem. Thanks for having me. Happy to be a part of it. Thank you. <laughs>